Thank you for tuning in to the sermon podcast from Redeeming Hope. We exist as a family of faith that follows Jesus and helps others find him by living all of life as missionaries of hope. If you want more information about our church or would like to support our ministry, go to our website at redeeminghope.org. Please enjoy the sermon podcast. Now, as we continue in the book of Titus, um, Paul is writing to his protege, Titus, who's in the island of Crete. And what we're saying, Crete is an island of chaos and debauchery. The church was in an absolute wreck. It's scattered, not unified, bad leadership. So Paul first tells Titus to get rid of the bad leaders and to bring in good godly leaders. And so two weeks ago, we talked about what it looks like to have godly leaders and elders in the local church. He then talks to Titus about how the household of faith needs to be transformed by the grace of Jesus. So he begins to talk to them about how older men, more seasoned men should live, how more seasoned women should live, how the young women should live and how the young men should live. And the broad theme throughout all of that that we looked at last week was self-control. Now we're jumping ahead just a little bit to look at his instructions to Titus about how this transformed household of faith now lives in the world around us. So that's why the title of this sermon is called A Transformed Household in the World. And so we're going to see how it starts within the church family and how then it's supposed to express itself into the world. So I have the title of my, my class this week, Missiology and Church Planting, the idea of God's mission and how we join his mission and how we plant churches really connects with what we're talking about today. So we're going to talk about three things. We're going to talk about a transformed household in the world is led well. We're going to next talk about how a transformed household in the world is lived well. And then finally, we're going to talk about how a transformed household in the world looks to Jesus. Now, the guy behind the camera right now is my friend Dallas. We've been spending, I mean, you got to pray for Dallas that he recovers because he spent a whole entire week with me. We met up at Atlanta airport. He's a former SF guy, an amazing man of God, a godly man. We've spent the whole week together. So you can pray that he recovers after spending 24 hours a day with me all week long. But actually, Dallas really contributed to this sermon, and he's a master at alliteration. So that's why all of the three things are led, lived, and looks to Jesus. So thanks to Dallas for that. Let's begin by looking at a transformed household in the world is led well, and let's read our passage for today. This is Titus 2, starting in verse 15. He's instructing, this is Paul instructing Titus. He says, declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, let no one disregard you. Remind them, remind the people of the church to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. So we're looking at verse 15 for this first one. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, let no one disregard you. So remember, he's pulling the instructions back to Titus. He's been talking about the church and the church family and what the church family is supposed to do. He then talks about God's grace. And then he goes back to Titus. He says, hey, Titus, I need you to declare these things. I need you to exhort the people and rebuke the people. So he's telling Titus to verbally talk, to be bold to share about how the church is supposed to be. And then he says this word exhort. And that word exhort literally just means to push people forward, to encourage people to move forward. He's telling them, he's telling Titus, when you see people doing things good and well, I want you to push them forward. I want you to encourage them. That's what he wants Titus to do. That's what a good pastor 
does. A good pastor sees things in his people that are going well, and he's pushing them forward and pushing them on. That's what I want to do as best as I can for you, our church family. So when I see you doing something well, I'm going to encourage you. But the next thing he says is he says, rebuke. That means to call out or to pull back. So if people are going in the wrong direction, Titus is supposed to pull them back. If he's seeing them do something wrong, he's supposed to call them out with love, with grace, with godliness and self-control. But he's supposed to call them out. And this is also what I want to do as your pastor for our church family. If I see you going in a direction, if I see you engaging with sin or a lifestyle or some certain things in your life that might not be helpful for you or your family, I want to pull you back in. Not because I want to exert any power or control because I love you. And I want to be a godly pastor. And I want you to follow Jesus. And then Paul says these words. He says, declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. So we see that, that godly elders have both authority and accountability. So first they have authority. He says, let no one disregard you. Do this with all authority. That, that means that a pastor actually has positionally he has a place of authority in the life of the church. That means that he's called to care for the church like a shepherd would care for a flock. A pastor is supposed to care for the people. It's supposed to be involved in the people's lives. That's what I want to be for us and our church family. And so there is real power and authority and responsibility that the pastor has, but there's also accountability that the pastor must have. This we see in the exhaustive, extensive list of qualifications that we looked at in chapter one. Elders have an exhaustive list of character qualifications that they must meet before they are placed in a position of authority. And what happened to Crete was Crete was an island of chaos and debauchery. And what was happening was is there were people that were leaders in the church that were taking advantage of God's people. They were trying to steal money from the church. So can you imagine your pastor trying to steal money from you and then preaching the gospel to you on Sunday morning? It's crazy. It was bonkers. So he tells Titus, hey, take those bad people out of leadership and then bring godly elders in. So elders have authority, true authority, in your life if you're a part of a local church. However, they also have an incredible amount of accountability to the Lord and to the rest of the elder team. They should have good accountability amongst a team of elders that are holding one another accountable and responsible to care for the flock of God well. And both in their authority and in their accountability, uh, one of the main themes of the book of Titus, one of the main themes for the people and for the elders is self-control. And that must mark godly elders and leaders. That must mark the people of the church. That must mark everyone within. We have to have self-control, not doing what we want to do, not doing what feels good, not even responding when we feel wronged or slighted in a way that we want to respond to, but rather having self-control, remembering that we are under the ultimate shepherd, Jesus. We are under the ultimate authority, the ultimate eldership of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he was gentle and he was lowly. And we need to walk in that same way, having self-control, being able to exhort and rebuke and declare the word of God well, but doing so with self-control. So we see first that a transformed household in the world is led well. Next, we see how a transformed household in the world is lived well. He then moves outside and begins to look. And let me just read these two verses again. Remind them, the people, to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient and ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. My friends, as I've said from the beginning of our church plant, it's not about what you do. It's about who you are. And when who you are is changed by being with Jesus, what you do begins to change. 
And so this first does not begin with our activity. It begins with God's activity for us. That means as we receiving the grace of Jesus, as our identity is rooted in the person and the work of Jesus. When we start to live as followers of Jesus within ourselves and our own heart, it will produce good works and actions. We will live differently. And this is where we see Paul instructing Titus to not just focus inward on how the church lives within its own family, but also how the church is expressed in the world. And the first way, the first kind of clue we get from this is by the first command is to be submissive to rulers and authorities. Now, remember where he's writing to. He's writing to Crete, an island of chaos and debauchery, as we've been looking at every week. This is an island filled with pirates, mercenaries, and thieves for over a millennia, for over a thousand years. They they found pottery from Crete in Egypt. And 600 years before Jesus, it said, every Cretan is a liar. And even Paul quotes that and says, it's still true that day. So for a thousand years, we got an island of pirates and mercenaries and thieves that the Roman government couldn't even take control over. And the first thing that Paul tells Titus to tell the people is to be submissive to authorities. How in the world are they going to do that? But that's what he says. He says to tell these people who live as thieves and robbers, tell them to be submissive to the government. The next thing he says is to be obedient. That is the last thing they want to do. And he actually, I believe he's talking about being both obedient to Titus and also to the government. So I think that because he says to for them to not, uh, for Titus to declare all things with authority, let no one despise him. I actually think he's saying, be obedient to Titus. That's what he's saying, encourage people to be obedient to its leaders and then also be obedient to the government. He then says, be ready for every good work. These people in Crete were always ready, but it ain't for good works. It wasn't to do good things. It was to try to get money. It was to try to get um, sexual promiscuity. It was to try to get what they wanted. It wasn't to be ready for every good work. This was very countercultural. He then says, speak evil of no one. I can't imagine what that must have been like in Crete because I didn't have my pastor trying to steal money from me. So can you imagine when he says that? Speak evil of no one. That sounds almost impossible. Then he says to avoid quarreling, avoid fighting. Again, this is all the people knew how to do was fight. All they knew how to do was to scrap for what they needed and what they wanted. And so when he says don't fight, again, no, avoid quarreling. Man, really challenging. To be gentle, they weren't gentle. It wasn't easy living in Crete. And if you were gentle, you didn't get very far. And then finally he says, show perfect courtesy to all people. That word literally means every consideration, every meekness to be deferent to one another. Can you imagine, especially in this island filled with pirates? Hey, pirates, you guys that were out there like trying to steal money from other people, be deferent to one another. Care for one another in meekness and consider one another's needs above your own. There is absolutely no way that that was I mean, it was, it was no way that that was easy to do in the culture of Crete. So we see that the qualifications for uh, a transformed household in the world is to, is to live well. And we see that that would be incredibly difficult in any context, but especially in the context of Crete. Now, I could end the sermon. I could say, thank you, Dallas, for recording. Here's a picture of Togo. Let's go on about our day. And that would be a great sermon on how we're supposed to live. And we will be absolutely discouraged because how in the world are we going to do this? 
how in the world could people of Crete do it? How can you and I do it? Because here's the deal. We're no worse than Crete. We struggle, don't we? Isn't it easy to talk about other people, especially the people that hurt you? Isn't it easy to not be submissive? We live in a culture that celebrates freedom. We live in a culture in Clarksville where many men and women have laid their lives down so that we could be free. And so isn't it easy to say, I'm going to live how I want to? Isn't it very easy to show perfect courtesy towards ourselves and not others? To think about what's best for us, what's best for me, what do I need? Isn't it easy, especially in this culture that celebrates independence, to not be gentle or meek? It's easy to say, look at me, I'm going to get mine. So my friends, if I were to leave this and say, hey, here's the standard, going about your Sunday, that would in no way, shape, or form encourage us. My friends, we have to get to the third point. And a transformed household in the world, it looks to Jesus. Because my friends, we have a better pastor and elder than Titus, and it's not me, it's Jesus. We have a better man who has entered into the world, fully God, fully man. And what Jesus has done is he has given us the ability to live this way. He has given us the ability to live transformed. He's actually laid it on a silver platter for us. Let's go back and look at Titus 2, verse 11, and see the beautiful redemption of Jesus that has brought us out of this world of chaos into a new way of living, into his kingdom, into his rule and reign in the world that's filled with grace that then motivates us towards obedience. Look with me at Titus 2. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. And this grace trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people, for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. Look at what it says. First off, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. The first understanding, the first way that we can live well in the world is to see that it is only by God's grace that he has appeared and it is by God's grace that we are saved. Not by our energy, not by our effort, not by our obedience, but by the grace of Jesus coming into the world to then save us. But it doesn't end there. Grace is then what trains us to reject ungodliness and worldly passions. That's what it says. The grace trains us to renounce, to reject, to pull away from ungodliness and worldly passions. And then it's also grace that trains us to live self-controlled and upright lives in this present age. We wait for the hope where one day Jesus will fully redeem us, fully call us back in. And while we're waiting, it says, Jesus Christ gave himself for us. Look at what it says, to redeem us from all lawlessness. That word redeem means to buy back. Jesus on the cross as your substitute has bought you back, has bought you with the price of his life so that you don't have to live under your selfishness. You don't have to live a life of worldliness. You don't have to live a life of self-focus. He's bought you out from that. And then it says, not only that, but then he then purifies you as a people for his own possession. My friends, we are a household of faith that has been bought back by Jesus, and then he gives us his holiness and his life. I just did a Bible study with Dallas, like I said, who's behind the camera, and JJ, 
the missionary on whose property that we're on. And actually there's Lake Togo right behind me. You can probably see it through the palm trees. We're standing here in the shade in the afternoon. And we did a study on Colossians 3 this morning. Um, A lot of the churches here, unfortunately, were shut down because of some new COVID restrictions. So we were in JJ's living room and we did a Bible study on Colossians 3. And it says, set your mind on things above where Christ is. For when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. And it's talking about seeing Jesus as our life. My friends, we need to see Jesus as our holiness. And we see grace as the only means of our obedience. We can't fight it out. We can't grit it out. We can't squeeze our hands and try to do it. We can't do it ourselves. We must see that Jesus' grace is what saves us. And as we go deeper into that grace, as we receive it and then respond to it in obedience, that is how we can be an obedient, faithful, transformed household in the world. And when we live as transformed people, it changes the people around us. They begin to see Jesus differently through us. My friends, it's Jesus's work. It's Jesus's example. It's our participation as we walk in our true identity as sons and daughters of God, as redeemed sons and daughters of God who have now been a new people that he is creating to live differently in the world around us. Now, my friends, if you look back over the course of your life and you see that maybe you might've grown up in the church or not, you might be familiar with the story of God or not. But if you look back over the course of your life, And you can't identify a specific moment where you've put a stake in the ground. You said, yes, I choose to follow Jesus. That means that you've heard the message of Jesus's redemption. You believe that it's true for you in your heart, and then you've obeyed by making Jesus Lord over your life. If you haven't done that yet, then my friends, I've got bad news and good news. First off, you're not a Christian, but the good news is you could be. I want you to consider these words. I want you to consider you can't live as a household, a family of faith that's transformed in the world. You can't do it out of your own strength, energy, or effort. You must first repent and believe the gospel. You must first see that you have to stop walking in one direction and you got to turn and walk in the other direction. You have to hear, believe, and obey this message by making Jesus Lord over your life. And you can do that with a simple prayer that simply says, Jesus, I believe that you have redeemed me, that you bought me back out of darkness and lawlessness, and you've made me a people for you. Help me give my life to you and and come into my heart, come into my life, put your Holy Spirit to indwell within my heart so that I may then live for you. That's all you got to do. And then boom, you're Christian. And then you begin your walk with Christ. Now, if you look over the course of your life and you have done that, my friends, it is very easy for us to forget this. It's very easy for us to continue to act selfish. It's very easy for us to not act gentle, to not act with deference or love or self-control because we can forget the grace of God to us. And so we must, as, as, as I said before, with those who don't yet follow Jesus, you must receive the grace of Jesus. Now, followers of Jesus, we must continually receive the grace of Jesus and then respond to it in obedience. That means that we must read our Bibles and pray. Come to group. Put yourselves in an environment. Watch these sermons. Come to the YMCA next week where we're meeting. Receive the grace of Jesus from the community of faith, from your personal time in the Word, and from coming to a group. And then you're able to respond in obedience. And that's the call I want to invite you into. This life is better. This life that's filled with submission, obedience, good works, not speaking evil, avoiding quarreling, gentle, and showing perfect courtesy. This is a better life. It's a better way of living. You live more at peace with other people. You live more at peace within yourself. This isn't just a burdensome requirement or some legalistic law to follow. 
This is us receiving the grace of Jesus, responding in obedience and faith. And so what I want you to do is I want you to stay faithful. If you're a follower of Jesus, stay faithful to reading the scriptures a few times a week. Follow our church-wide reading plan. Download the Discord so we can talk about what we're reading together. We just wrapped up 1 Kings. We've we've been in a, a, a Psalms and Proverbs. And so my friends, I want to encourage you to do that. Come to group. Come to a group of people that's going to follow Jesus together and hold you accountable to following him. And finally, come to our gatherings. Either tune in online or come to the Clarksville area YMCA, both at the last Sunday of September and the first Sunday of October, so that you can be encouraged in your walk with Jesus. And as we do that, we will live as a transformed household together. We will live as a family that's transformed by the grace of Jesus. And we will do so in such a way that it will be winsome. It will be attractive to our friends and neighbors around us that don't yet know Jesus. See, we don't have to come and convince people. We don't have to sell them on this. If we're living a life that's filled with the joy and the grace of Jesus, that is attractive to people. They want to come. They want to be a part of that. And that's what I want for our church family. Thank you for listening. We gather every Sunday at the Clarksville area YMCA. For more information, please go to our website at redeeminghope.org.